Welcome everybody. Today I'm particularly excited about this episode because it's going to be a completely different episode and it's going to be different in the sense that my guest today, he is not associated with science in any particular way besides being a science aficionado. So I'm here today with Rhys Chalicomb, who, how are you doing Rhys? I'm good mate, I'm good, it's good to be here. Thanks right. for having me on. So I described you as a science aficionado, which is the reason why you're here today. But how would you describe yourself? The best way to describe myself would be an Australian fl flying trapeze artist, builder, living in Michigan. You did live in Texas before. I did live in Texas. I coached rugby at Texas A&M. And that's why you're here? That's one of the reasons I'm down here. Yep. Reese, would you consider yourself a science aficionado? That's how you introduced me. It's not how I would call myself, but that's how you introduced me. Okay, then uh, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Science Stories. That's it. That's it. Call I, it a day. I picked the wrong guest today. <laughs> now, come on, mate. You are, you are a science aficionado, right? I am. I am. I really love science. I enjoy learning what other people have learned. The old adage going, we stand on the, the shoulders of giants. Do you know why I like the word aficionado so much? Why do you like the word aficionado? Do you know how to say aficionado in Spanish? Did you know I'm learning Spanish that way you asked? I don't know. It's not on, uh, hasn't come up on my lessons just yet. So prepare yourself. You say it, aficionado. Ooh, I'm glad I was sitting down for that. That's why. That's, that's, that's why I like it. That's a good one. So what kind of scientific content do you consume? Most of the time I get my scientific content probably from popular media whether it be uh, online, and then if something sounds too good, if a headline catches me, I'll then probably either go through Google Scholar and just check up on what it is, or podcasts um, like yourself. Um, explaining things for the layperson is something that I think science doesn't do as well as it should. Um, having that open and out there for people to understand. Um, headlines are good, but not always honest, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Headlines from where? Like newspapers or yeah, social media? Or? Newspapers or social media. If there's, for example, that um, the new Fusion breakthrough, all the headlines were catching that it Fusion's just around the corner, and then you go and read actually what the scientific paper said, and it's not even close. It's little misleading, but also there for clicks, right? Everybody's trying to get, get those clicks. 
Is there any particular media that you find that it's more honest than others? Or, or is there anyone that you would recommend as a lay guy, as you call yourself? I think podcasts are good. None are coming to my mind. Science stories, getting people that actually know the stuff properly and aren't reporting on it secondhand. Where you get into a lot of problems is when people report on something that they don't know of. You know which one is great, talking about podcasts? Uh, the Huberman Lab podcast. Okay. He's a professor in Stanford, and he is so good and so clear when he explains. He's one of those people that you listen to, and you say his knowledge is so solid. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's so clear, and you understand it so easily that sometimes you even wonder, like, is this hard at all? But it's that's that's what great people, great communicators do, right? They make they make it look easy. For sure. Um, I remember a, a story, true or not. The person said, "Explain this for the uh, this, the class," and said, "You have to learn this, and I'm going to tell you who you're going to have to explain it to." So they had to learn whatever this topic was, and some people got taught um, told to teach it to five year olds, and then other people got told to teach it to professors. So just having that clear knowledge, if you can explain it to a five-year-old, something extremely difficult, that's showing that you, like you said, have that solid knowledge. Um, but if people don't, that's where you get into a little bit of misleading. Reese, there's something that it, I thought I thought really interesting of what you said is that whenever you find a headline actually really interesting, you go into Google Scholar and you search the original article, the scientific publication. For sure. If you have enough interest in it, now I'm not saying every single thing you need to go into. It takes a bit of time to read through it. A lot of them are, are dry because it's it's a scientific paper. But you can skim through and then find out which ones you really like and which ones are much more reputable. So scientific articles, you say they could be they could work or not for you. Is there any other form of communication that you also tried and you didn't like or that, that didn't hook you at all or they bore you? I, I'm thinking of, for example, a longer talk in a conference, like an hour-long talk, like an actual scientific presentation. Have you, have you seen those? Yes, they, yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched enough because, yeah, I find them to be talking over what I understand and I need time to break down whatever it may be. Um, if you get somebody talking to somebody else that then you can ask questions, that's where I find more helpful. Like yourself, when you bring your guests on, you don't know everything about it. So then getting them to explain bits that they just don't have. That's what I find works for me because I sit somewhere in that range. Do you remember an example of an article of a headline that caught your attention recently and you went and checked the scientific article? Last one. Like I said, the, the Fusion one was interesting. I didn't go and check the, the article of it, but I went and checked some competing views and actually explained what, the, what happened in the experiment. So what happened was the headline said nuclear fusion almost achieved. What the scientific article actually said um, was that they did this experiment but they still had to put an extra amount of energy in there to cause it so they no no really not really closer than they were five years ago really and was that disappointing 
It was. It was. I try not to get duped like that, but when you read something exciting, gets your attention, really draws you in. And then when you go and read and the article. And then when you go in and read it and you're like, oh, no, disappointed. This, this, didn't, this, is not, this is not what I wanted at all. So it's kind of understandable, the headline method then, right? Imagine the headline would have been, we are in the same, we're, <laughs> we're in the same <laughs> we stage. Just, we just spent all this time and money and we, we're not anywhere closer. Yes, it, it's understandable, but it doesn't mean it ha If you're at the same stage, then it's nothing that needs to be reported on. Right. Well, but I'm sure there was something new because if not, it's not it's not going to be published. Right. I, I didn't. I'm not familiar with that case. I didn't read through that. Yeah, it was at a big newspaper too. So uh, I think it may have. I I don't want to name names, but it was it was a big newspaper reporting on it. So I thought, okay, they've done some research, but it was somebody who was who had either misread the article, uh, the scientific scientific paper, or and didn't understand it or maybe like i said just wanted to just wanted the clicks wanted the, wanted the money so when in your day you you say you're a builder yep when do you find time to consume science <laughs> same place a lot of people are on their phones it's uh it's when you're on the toilet <laughs> um, is a good time it i've got two kids at home so i've got a a nine month uh 10 month old and a three-year-old um so either when myself and the 10 month 10 month old are up in the morning early and there's no one else around i'll skim through and see if anything jumps out and then look it up or if i'm listening to my podcast i i'm a builder so i've got time in the day whether driving to or from a, a hardware store or finding to or from quotes or to and from the house so in the car mainly npr does a great job of piquing my interest on a lot of lot of things as well For example, just keeping up with news, so um, any scientific breakthroughs or whatever it may be. So basically, podcast in the car and then po podcast in the car or reading something either on the toilet or with uh, early in the morning when the little ones. Do you ever work and listen to a podcast now, right? No, I listen to somebody talking about how they read books, right? And you wouldn't read a book while you are working. So why would you listen to a podcast that you want to pay attention to while you're doing something like that? If you have a job where you don't have to think too hardly and go ahead, but if you want to pay attention, then you really have to dedicate yourself. Think of it like you would read a book, right? You don't read books while you're just using a saw. No, I imagine you don't. <laughs> so Reese, what is the first image that comes to your mind when you think of a scientist? Hmm, Bongo playing... Weed smoking. <laughs> um, What? <laughs> uh, Did you understand the question? <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the first, uh, the first person. Wait, wait, wait. Do I, just to make sure, <laughs> I ask you, what is the first image that comes to your mind when you think of a scientist? Yeah, there's a, there's a few um, physicists out there that know exactly who I'm talking about. So when I was in high school and really enjoying science, I, I did took chemistry and physics throughout high school. I read a book called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Fe uh, Feynman. Feynman. And Richard Feynman was a phys theoretical physicist who did most of his formulas in the back of a strip club. Uh, he wrote complex complex equations in the back of a strip club. That's where he found peace and tranquility, I guess, enough to do it. So he 
very famous for being out there. Just, um, <laughs> I can't believe. Okay. <laughs> I think you picked the most, like the, the furthest <laughs> outlier there is, and you made that the average well, image. It's it's the first one I first one I thought of. So it was a, an honest answer, but it's also the first one that I really knew the name of. Um, outside of, you know, your Newtons and your Einsteins and um, people like that. But he worked on the Manhattan Project. He he was a huge um, asset to America during World War II and, and afterwards, and for science too, for, like I said, leading. Uh, he was a Nobel laureate. He had some accomplishments, but was far out there for sure. Wow. But I, I would have never predicted that answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know what you, you know what I wanted you to say. Who did you, what did you want me to say? I wanted you to say a man, a serious man, with a lab coat working in the lab. Just one of those stockfish um, images. That just a general. Yeah, because you know the whole idea of this podcast. You listen to this podcast. I do listen to this podcast. Is like to to break that myth that scientists are these people that live in their ivory towers and that they are only interested in intellectual stuff and 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 this is not true at all and and as you said it's not true at all you're doing a good job of breaking the mold <laughs> okay <laughs> so would you say Philman was your science hero then yeah richard Feynman for sure Feynman, sorry yeah if you haven't read that book that's a, a great read no surely, i haven't read it yet. surely you're joking this book i've read it three or four times as a 10 or 11 year old he was fixing clocks analog clocks um and he made some extra money that way then he learned to pick locks because people were taking too long to give him documents during world war ii the funny anecdote that i remember most of the book is he he found one of the generals and picked the lock took the document out put a piece of paper in there that said hey it's richard i have your i have this document that you wouldn't give me then he saw another safe in the room. He went, well, surely he didn't use the same code. Cracked that one. He said, me again, change your code. He did it for all eight safes in the room. And then when people came back into the room, they opened the eighth one first. So all they got when they opened the safe was, me again, you need to change the lock. They got angry and scared and then went all the way back from eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And then at the first one, they realized who it was, and he got in a bit of trouble from it. What a lad, right? What, oh. a, what a personality. Yeah. yeah. I definitely want to re read that book. Yeah. It's a, it's a great book. It talks very little about science in it, but just this book, it's a novel that talks autobiography, but talks nothing about his science and just that's, about his anecdotes. That's exactly what I'm looking for. That's good. Thanks for the recommendation. And I have to ask you, as an Australian... How much do you miss Steve Irwin? Steve Irwin, what a good mate. What a good good guy. He did a lot for Australia. People now know it <laughs> more than more than ever. Finally stopped talking about throwing a shrimp on the barbie. Uh, but also for... What? What's that? Oh, perfect. So it's throwing a shrimp on the barbie was an ad that ran in America. And everybody was saying it. And now people say it less. I guess a generational thing as well. But people remember Steve Irwin more than this. Um, on this particular ad but he did a lot for conservation of an animals 
uh, the zoo he's got, and his his two kids who are continuing it on and continuing the legacy. His show was still huge in Australia growing up. We all watched it, and I know it made it over here as well. And Uruguay, maybe, or yeah, I mean it. It was huge, and people got outside and looked at animals, and hopefully didn't try to wrestle crocodiles. Did you believe his enthusiasm? It was something to behold, wasn't it? He everything he did, just crikey, mate, we got this. Here he is. He's a big one. Love it. You gotta love it. Somebody that has that enthusiasm and that passion for whatever it is is going to be good at whatever they do, whether it be science, whether it be writing, whether it be acting. If you've got that enthusiasm, you got, you can go places. Rhys, are you okay if we do our first break? Let's do it. All right. Let's see what songs you picked. <laughs> on a spider a bandage sticking on a scratch what makes all these things attached adhesion the reason two different things stick together adhesion the reason two different things <laughs> <laughs> what are, what are we listening to uh first of all we were listening to island home from christine anu um And then the second song was Adhesion by Blazing the Monster Machines. So tell me first about Iceland, I, Island Home, please. Just... Why, why did you pick that song? Every time I start to get homesick, I just I throw it on. It It's a, by a Pacific Island native lady. She wrote it. I love it. This is your homesick? This is my homesick song. Does it make you cry sometimes? Sometimes. Uh, if I'm really, really feeling it, uh, she has a really good live version too that is incredible. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. <laughs> yeah, you get it? Yeah. yeah. Get <laughs> you missed the beach too? Yeah, yeah. And, and this one? What a jam. It's, it's a jam. It's a, yeah. a knee slapper. A bandage sticking on a scratch. What makes all these things attached? 
So this has to be something related to your kids, right? Yeah. So this is this is my son's favorite song at the moment. The people singing this song are monster trucks. So this comes from a a TV show called Blaze and the Monster Machines, and their STEM TV show, mm-hmm. uh, STEM being science, technologies, engineering, mathematics. And my son's three, and now he's listening to this. So there's, they've got this song. They've got uh, that pops up in the show. They've got songs about angles. They've got a structural engineering song. Wow. Um, yeah, and opening. One thing this show's really done well is opening the conversation for us to ask him. You know, what what's this? What's what's an angle? What's a, what is adhesion? Just words that you wouldn't talk to a three year old about. But then you hear him singing to this song, and he's he's jamming. He's he's singing the words, and then we can actually talk about it. So it's it does a good job um, opening that up. Did you have to go study to explain <laughs> explain some of the concepts? Uh, it's not quite that bad. Uh, there are there are some things that uh, they've taken some artistic licensing with. Um, uh, it also talks about momentum. Um, so again, just some really advanced things, but put into a way that kids can understand and enjoy. Is your kid getting into the dinosaur phase? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Everybody, you're either dinosaurs or cars, right? That's yeah. your, he's, he's, I think, gone through dinosaurs, there was a stage where I was trying to learn dinosaur names. We had the ABC of dinosaurs and paleontology, something that, you know, everybody not in science knows. Yeah, T-Rex. Just T-Rex, yeah. right? Triceratops, yeah. Stegosaurus. Yeah, I got this. And then you get an ABC book. And you go, oh, actually, some of these words, are some of these dinosaurs, I don't particularly know the name of or <laughs> the difference with Microraptors and Utah Raptors and wherever we're at. That's so cool that you're learning with your kid as well, right? Right. I don't think anybody should stop learning. Why Why stop learning when there's so much that we don't know? Mm-hmm. Reese, I know that you're also a diving expert, kind of like <laughs> dive master. What, what is your title? Yeah, yeah dive super master. Ma- super, super master, super, diver. Okay. Scoop, you know, dive, <laughs> dive master, yep. And I, I, I bring this up because my question is, did you ever participate in a scientific study? And I'm thinking maybe your diving skills would have been helpful for some sort of study. Yeah. So lionfish are an extremely invasive animal. People are trying to find either where they are or how many are there or if the measures that we're implementing are actually working. So a lot of the places when we go diving will just ask us, hey, give us a count. How many are down there if you see them? Either if you're allowed, spear them, get rid of them, and then tell us how many you found. When I go with a, a big dive group and we go down either down to um, Cozumel or Curacao or Belize or somewhere like that, most of the dive masters will have a, a spear gun just because they're ruining the reefs wherever they're at. They're eating the native um, wildlife and then not really being eaten at the, the same rate, same way. Same problem as like a, a rabbit. You of all people <laughs> of all nationalities know how much rabbits can damage, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a, a huge rabbit problem, right? Rabbits are bad in Australia. Um, there's 
alligators in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Did, did you hear about this? No, I didn't. So the alligators in Louisiana, people don't want to go in the bayous, right? So then they were deciding, okay, what can we do about these alligators? Um, well, back in the a time ago, the the idea of bringing in hippos into the bayous of Louisiana was brought up. Um, thankfully, they didn't do it because then you'd have hippos down there as well, and hippos are not as easy to... I think I, I heard about this now, yeah. I think there was actually approved, and then they didn't carry on, or something <laughs> like that. There, there's a story about that, and I think there's a story also that it involves Theodore Roosevelt, yeah. with hippos bringing them for something, I don't remember. But do you know, you know what happened in Colombia, right? Um, with the hippos. With the with a certain um pablo escobar yeah 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 when they all got out and yeah <laughs> yeah they they raided so for people who don't know pablo escobar the major drug dealer from yep. colombia he had a mansion in which he had a zoo for which he brought hippos from africa as you do you and just get rich it, enough it, you have a zoo <laughs> yeah. and when he got captured or killed i don't remember the the hippos were unattended and just escaped into the wild and then nobody could take them because it's not an easy animal to take. Yeah. And they adapted well to the environment. And now there's a population of hippos in Colombia, which doesn't make any sense, but it is there. Yeah. Yeah. In Australia as well, a lot of the middle of Australia is desert. Mm-hmm. So when Australia was colonized, it we used to take um, everything across with camels. And then combustion engine came about and trains. So now we no longer need camels and we just released all of these camels into the wild. And now Australia's up there on the, or if not the largest free range camels in the world because they just left them all, let them all go and they, they're out there. Reese, I'm going to go back to some questions I, I had. The conversation, I love it, but... Yeah. <laughs> what you got? We're, we're <laughs> stranding away a little bit. <laughs> what you got? I have a, I'm curious... What What is a scientific accomplishment that blows your mind? Blows my mind. It's such a broad, broad question. I think it's a really specific question, to be honest. Uh, yeah? Yeah. I think... It's a scientific accomplishment that blows your mind. It's not entertains your mind. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> <laughs> um, it blows your mind. Well, if it blows your mind, then we've got to go with... Uh, probably back to the Manhattan Project, right? And the, the atomic bomb and... Well, nuclear power's, nuclear power's got to be up there. The the ability to take something like that, the, the energy that it does and be able to use it and harness it. Any of the renewable stuff that we're trying to look at is interesting, whether it be hydro, wind, solar. All of this stuff is interesting. I also found out about trying actually here we go this is the one that an interesting one that i think maybe you have maybe you haven't heard about harnessing solar power out of space you did you have heard of it yeah i i actually read about it preparing my my episode with the sustainability guy with the uruguayan article in the new york times yep so that's that's a strategy that reading about alternatives that's one yeah but explain it please explain it to people yeah so the broad understanding of it that i have is that we were going to solar panels up in outer space right yeah low low earth orbit collect the rays and then beam it down to earth 
microwaves was that what it yeah i think that's a major the major yeah roadblock still how do you so collecting the energy is not a, a problem right we know how to the major roadblock is how to transmit that energy the most efficient way so yeah. that it's worth it yeah something that seems super simple right we've got we've got the sun and we've got this atmosphere that's hindering our collection of it why don't we go outside that atmosphere okay but now how are we getting it down like you said how can we convert it from and to whatever we need it to yeah and extension cords i don't think they're i i don't think long. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just everybody everybody get together <laughs> You want to know which ones blow my mind? You want me to? You want me to interview you on what blows your mind, sir? Oh, great question. There's two facts that blew my mind. One is in 60 years we went from not being able to take off to putting a man in the moon. Yeah, that's pretty mind blowing to me. Yeah. And then the other one that it's way simpler, but it's an article I read a long time ago, that it's they were trying to see how many shades of red a fish could distinguish. You have the red color, right? Yep. And red could be more intense or less intense, and it can become another color eventually, yep. right? So shades of red, yep. right? And they use red because it's a, a color that they're particularly attracted. And they want to, to be able to tell how, how many shades of red they can distinguish, how, how specific can they be, like how, how good their vision was, basically, their okay. color vision was. Yeah, yeah. How on <laughs> earth do you think they solved that problem? Did they put a wall in front of them and swimming into it where are we uh, just or damn i guess that would be just i think we could be all afternoon yeah, yeah and, if and that's my starting yeah. point no no not, not because of that because it's so creative and it's it's brilliant and there's more information i'm not giving you sorry so this fish can learn okay okay so they can learn and they can be food conditioned uh, okay okay and so the way they did it is they had discs with red right and then, so they, they split the disc in half, right? And they would put, for example, red and white. And they thought that the fish that had two colors, there's food below it. Okay. Right? And then they would just do one that it's all red with no food. Right? Okay. And if you do that enough times, the fish learns that when he sees two colors, he goes and looks under this disc and looks for the food. Okay. Is, is that clear, more or yeah. less? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then they started changing slowly the white towards red. So they would do pink, they would do, they would do a light orange, they would do until the, the fish doesn't go and look for the food anymore. Isn't it brilliant? It's, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. That, it, that is incredible. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to get those people in the podcast because that, it's a, it's a, it blew my mind. Yeah. How do you find a way to ask a fish how many, how good... His red vision is, it's incredible. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm the one talking and you should be the one talking. No. Riz, since you like science so much and you consume science and like science, have you ever thought about pursuing some sort of scientific path? Um, thanks to your guest a couple of, couple of episodes ago, um, I did sign up to be a, a citizen scientist. No way, you did sign up? I did, I oh, did. Oh, nice. Um, what? what? Uh, it was just a, a broad one up in Michigan that that took my attention, and I went, oh, you know what? I'm gonna look into it, sign up, and then trying to find some time, like I said, with my two kids and and all other life life things that go on. Uh, but we've got the Great Lakes up there, so 
I'm sure it'll be something something water related that I end up. But um, so you just signed up to a huge volunteer program. Just, just a huge volunteer program, and that, nobody has contacted you yet. No, but uh, anybody in Michigan, if you're listening, uh, give <laughs> us a shout. I'm still I'm still there. But you, so you have no idea what you will, will be doing. No, it'll just be collecting data for something. I don't know. I assume. Okay, then I'll check back in. Yeah, yeah, and I'll definitely would we'll love to have your experience afterwards. After the after the experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah the data yeah. collection and, and what happens with that. Reese, do you mind if we do our second break? Let's do it. What, All right. What do we listen to? We're gonna listen before the break we're gonna listen to True Blue and I'm not gonna tell you what you're gonna listen after the break. You'll find out. Hi True Blue. Don't say you've gone Say you've knocked off for a smoker And you'll be back later on Hey, true blue Hey, true blue Give it to me straight Face to face Are you really disappearing? Just another dying race Hey, true blue True blue Is it me? child arrived just the other day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You, know, I'm you can never go wrong with Johnny Cash You huh? can't, you can't Johnny I, Cash is a true legend I love it, I, I really like Johnny Cash what we're listening right now is Cats in the Cradle by Johnny Cash, but I, I think this song is not from him, right? It this is, is a cover. It's a cover of a cover of a cover of... Yeah, it goes back. Do you have a particular reason why you picked this song? Um, Like you said, Johnny Cash is just a, a great voice. Um, I got a lot to do, he said, that's okay. There you go. And uh, just where I'm at with my, my family just making sure that I spend time with them and just not get too caught up. But, I mean, it's a good song. You just, you gotta love a good song. Yeah. Little boy blue and the man in the moon When you're coming home, dad, I don't know when We'll get together I'm down to just playing, just, playing Johnny Cash. Oh, just DJ oh. it up. Yeah. And, and what about True Blue? This one was sung by... John Williamson. Why did you pick that one? So, for me, it is... The epitome of Australian, what Australians try to be, or the best Australian. So we actually just spoke about him. That was sung at Steve Irwin's uh, memorial. And I heard it and I went, wow, this is truly something that Australians should strive for. And the lyrics in there that he talks about, 
he talks about have you gone out for smoko being a slang word for a break in Australian and then also talking about how he's good for his friends just some good Australian slang in there yeah he actually men- mentions Vegemite he does he does uh, a great great Australian yeast extract that is Vegemite but what what does it mean to be true blue for you for me True Blue is a, a genuine person that that would do anything for his friends, right? So if you're genuine, honest, hardworking, just loyal, think of a good attribute. That's what we would say a True Blue. Um, so you could say you're a True Blue Aussie. You're a, a loyal, diehard Aussie. Um, would it be similar to the expression good oak? Uh, or yeah. or blue collar even no not blue collar no blue collar okay not, my bad not not blue collar but good oak would probably I think would sound seem pretty close Reese so we talked about uh, diving yep we talked about you being a trapeze artist I mentioned it you yep. mentioned it yeah <laughs> and that you played and coached rugby yep I know that you also play chess I do play chess and that you are learning Spanish yep. So it seems like you're always picking up hobbies that challenge you in a way. Yeah, I. It's that craving for s- learning, right? Trying to fill my days with with new and exciting things, and and physical or mental, right? Because you have a a good physical body, but you don't have a good mental body. That's not really a healthy lifestyle, and same the opposite way. So I have many questions about trapeze, but. Do you have any diving stories before we get into the trapeze stuff? And this is the worst question question to ask. Like, tell me a story, but can you tell me a story? Uh, oh, here we go. So it was the third day of a four-day dive trip. And we went down and we got to 40 feet, 50 feet. And my dive buddy's first stage, which is where it connects to the excuse me my di- buddy's yeah first stage where it connects to the tank um it just blew and he was losing all of his air out of his tank and i looked at it and went that's not right so i swam over to him and instead of the first thing you need to do when you're underwater what is it what is it mateo when you're underwater what is it breathe yeah breathe right so his air is going all out of his tank as fast as it'll go and because we're deep it's not going to last very long So it starts going and I go, hmm, this isn't right. And instead of giving him my second regulator and just we can work out what to do once you're breathing again, I went, oh, so then there's two other people swimming across that both pushed me out of the way and went, here you go, and gave my dive buddy his regulator. And we were, he still had a little bit of air in his tank, but it was just something of me not dealing well. I I didn't understand. What? So... Where his, where the... Reg- so he was losing air? He was losing air out of... What did you do? I did nothing, basically. I stood oh. there and watched and went, oh, yep, how can I fix this? <laughs> Instead of giving him my air oh, okay, okay. and just getting more time, I went, oh, yeah, how can I fix this? And there was no fixing it. Oh, he had to go up. He had to go up and he missed he missed that dive. Um, but then we got another one and he was fine afterwards. So, but yeah. That's so scary, huh? Oh, and that's why... Don't dive alone, right? You dive with a buddy and you prepare for these things. And I 
froze and didn't know what to do. Reese, I think you are the only person I've ever met that is a trapeze artist. Well, thanks, mate. Yeah. Thanks. I've seen trapeze artists, but I never talked to one, like, closely. Closely? In a radio studio. <laughs> so, what's up? What's up? <laughs> hey, mate. I do flying trapeze. Uh, yeah. I used to do... I did rugby, and I did an adult class for gymnastics, and then... One of my friends went, hey, let's uh, go and join a circus. So I joined a resort that had flying trapeze and have been doing that for the last almost 20 years, something like that, 18 years. Um, I do other circus things, juggling, nails in the nose, you know, lots of, yeah, yeah, just lots of gimmicky tricks. You seem shocked. Yeah, I am pretty shocked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, flying trapeze. A lot of fun. Uh, lots of places have it so the general public can do it. So now I just teach. Wow, that's amazing. So you were in a circus traveling the world? Uh, I was in a resort that oh. had, had circus. Where, where was this resort? Uh, Club Med. I worked in Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Japan, Thailand, uh, and then on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. So lots of Asian countries. Which is the culture that shocked you most? Of the ones of those you mentioned, I love Indonesia. Indonesia. I live. I learnt to speak uh, Bahasa, which is Indonesian. Uh, well, which is one of the dialects of uh, Indonesia. And then speaking to the people, how nice, how giving, generous they were. It was incredible. We uh, we went out one day. Uh, one of the people took me to his uh, his island. And getting there was uh, an experience. Once we got there, we all sat down. His family brought me food. I was like, guys, you you don't have to do this. We can, I can get stuff. But nope, they they wanted to share what what little they had. And then we all sat down outside, and people came and we had a beer, and uh, just came and listened to this Australian that could speak speak to them and one of the interesting things about when you don't have a lot is how much you're willing to give away people that don't have a lot are more generous i've found with what they have do you think it's something you apply in your life i try to i don't think i do a, a good enough job of it but i i try i think you do no thanks mate yeah definitely for sure what brought you to texas uh, i set up a my own school down in College Station. Uh, so we had a flying trapeze school in College Station, which, again, the general public could come and try. Um, unfortunately, it didn't take off, didn't work. So then we, we sold it, and uh, I moved up to Michigan to be with my wife's family up there. So I went from sunny, sunny Texas to minus whatever 15 20 in in michigan but cold cold weather and but the lakes are beautiful up there great lakes are incredible um i think we both know a a, a scientist doing some work up on one of the the great lakes up yeah. there the producer of science stories she works with the great lakes and she does research for nasa and she's really cool one day we'll have her on air that'll be fun that'll be yeah, exciting for sure Reese, I'm sure you're familiar with 
Chad GPT. I am. I asked Chad GPT what would be a funny question for an Australian science podcast aficionado. <laughs> And this is the reply I got. What did you get? I am scared. Here's a funny question for an Australian science podcast aficionado. Quotes. If kangaroos evolved to hop instead of walk, do you think humans will eventually evolve to surf instead of walk? <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> That is incredible. <laughs> why Why wouldn't we? Uh, <laughs> It's okay. You don't have to answer. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> evolution doesn't have a doesn't have a, a goal in mind, does it? No. So, um, who knows where it'll end up, or or why? Re reading further into the future. And then I ask. Chat GPT to give me another one. Okay. And he said, if you were to drop a piece of Vegemite toast, <laughs> would it always land butter side down due to the earth gravitational pull? Or does Vegemite have some kind of anti-gravity property? I think, I don't know if the floor likes Vegemite enough. Vegemite is one of those things that is really dividing. So people either love it or hate it. So maybe the floor doesn't like it and has evolved enough to not take it. Um, it just, just repels the... <laughs> I guess it also depends on if it's a wooden floor. If it's a wooden floor, then it's Vegemite down that for sure, undoubtedly. Carpet also probably, but anything that can be cleaned easily, linoleum, uh, no, it's, uh, it's Vegemite side up. Australians would never let it fall. It's too too important to waste. And Rhys, I'm sure you know what I do with the image. I, I, do, I do AI generated, but so for some people that don't know, I generate an AI image and I'm going to show it to you now. I didn't send it to you before because I, wanna, I wanted your genuine reaction. Okay. Can you look at this and guess what I typed? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for those of you, uh, it is a man he has a, a beard and some very blonde hair and is holding a phone with something coming in out of the phone probably earbuds purple tank top can you guess what i what i typed in the ai prompt let's go oh he's down under okay so we've got an australian listening to science stories is that close close but you're missing some information which is judging for the for the image is not hard to, it's easy to miss i mean okay What I typed was a male blonde Australian trapeze artist who loves listening to science podcasts in the style of Albert Namatjira. Oh, okay. Yep. The uh, Aboriginal um, artist. Yep. Does it make sense now? Yeah. Yeah. The trapeze artist, was that why he's hanging off one hand? Okay. Sure. Yeah. I, I can get there. You can, you can stretch it to get there if you want. <laughs> Come on, chat GBT. You can do better than that. Or AI. Yeah, it was Dali, D-A-L-L-E-E. -E, okay. That image generation, which is not the best one, but I ran out of credit in the good one. <laughs> so I have to use, I have to use a, a lesser one now. Mate. Mate. Did you have a good time? I did. Yeah? I did. I can't say I've ever been on a, on a radio show or a podcast. So this, was, this has been good. Thanks for having me. ¿Volverías otra vez? Yeah, I would. See? Say something in Spanish. Aficionado.
Aficionado. <risa> Thank you for listening to Science Stories. Wow.